Love the 80s? Then you'll love Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Love Chris Evans. Love the 80s. Over on Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. Aloha. And Vassos is here. Aloha. And Vassos is here. Aloha. Oh, does it hurt you as much as it hurts me? <laughs> and Rachel's here. Greetings. Very soon, Nick Grimshaw's going to be here. Tell us about Grimmy, please, Rachel. Uh, Grimmy is a joy. We all know that. Now, he published a book last year. Not so much an autobiography, more a collection of stories. Mm. And the paperback is coming out. It has got an extra chapter, which is very exciting. And I was listening to Nick chatting about his writing process when he was filling in for Graham at the weekends on Virgin. Uh, and he discovered, much to his uh, surprise, that the publisher's deadlines are sort of a made-up thing and quite movable, even though they had scared him but they were like oh don't worry about it <laughs> yeah because the fir- they have one yeah. they just don't tell you which one is the real no. one and they have all these sort of um what are they called uh false flags yeah what <laughs> oh, did you not know this you know? hang on you've written three books <laughs> yes but i've been on time every time so nick was chatting well so nick was chatting to lou saunders about her book on graham's show and she was saying that uh, nick muhammad when he was writing a book he uh, was I think the only author who met all of his deadlines and the publishers were like well why have you finished it and he said well you said you needed it by this date and they're like we didn't mean it <laughs> we didn't mean it don't be daft <laughs> That was just the first attempt. I've been asked to write another book, and I will. I will Don't play fast. And, I will play fast and loose with Charlotte's deadlines. So this is the Freddie Mercury auction. Is it on the eighth? I don't know when it is. It this because this Thursday's not the eighth, is it? This Thursday's the seventh. I thought it was on the eighth, but I thought it was a Thursday. So it can't be on the eighth and a Thursday. It could be on the eighth and it'd be a Friday. It could be on the Thursday and be a seventh. But my friend has asked me to go with him to it to stop him bidding. He says, you're experienced at auctions. Mm. Yeah, but I'm only experienced in not being able to keep my hands in my pockets. I'm the wrong guy for the job. Why doesn't he just not go? Because clearly, is it tomorrow? (laughs) It's the sixth. It's not the eighth or a Thursday. It's a Wednesday and it's the sixth. What time? 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Didn't tell me that. I can't go. Well, just, t- no, stuff to just do. tell your friend it's on Friday and then he'll miss it and I have it'll a wife be fine. To support. Yes. I have children. He doesn't have any children. And this, this, it screams that clearly. No responsibility around tea time when the kids are going back to school. I can't go. I can't go to it then. What, what is he worried he might bid for? The lyrics to a song that means so much to him. Okay. And why doesn't he just set himself a like, deadline, like a limit? Because he's insane. Mm. Okay. You know who he is. You know him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. a madman. Absolute crazy guy. If he, if he goes to have a look at the auction mm. today, the queue, I, I drove past it last week, and it's still this, this is the same situation. The queue basically goes all the way round uh, Hammanover Square yeah. and back to Sotheby's. That's it is, not the auction. That's the exhibition. It's not the queue for the auction. Well, those people might want to bid. Yeah, but it's not the queue for the auction, which is what you said. Mm. It's a okay. different, different queue. Different queue. Different queue. That's For the true. same sort of thing. No, it's an ex- no. One's an exhibition. <laughs> yeah, one's an auction. But is it they- an exhibition of the auction items? Yes. So that you can go and get excited and go and bid. I mean, they're, they're not, not doing the this thing. for, for go, love. Hang on, it's, I mean, going to watch Fulham <laughs> at the weekend, it's not the same as playing for Fulham, is it? That's true. That's a well, very good analogy. Same. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everybody else didn't need it. Just you. Just well. you. It's very good because it's the easiest thing you've ever asked me or caused me to have to say on the radio.
<laughs> going to watch Fulham, which I do, is not the same for playing for Fulham. The reason he's a crazy guy. The reason we, you know the guy. The yeah. reason he's on the show on Monday. His name begins with N and ends in Old Fitzpatrick. <laughs> um, the reason he's a crazy guy is because one aspect of his life has to be so controlled and measured, i.e. when he's fixing everybody's feather and furry friends. Um, and so, and he has to be so focused and so, um, so consciously concentrated on what he's doing um, because it's a matter of life and death. Mm. And also, you know, it's a matter of uh, the, the pet's owner's metaphorical life and death because these, these pets mean more to some people than other humans for completely understandable reasons. And so he lives within that parameter for most of his life. And then the second he clocks off work, which is usually about three o'clock in the morning, um, then he goes mad yeah. for the three hours that he doesn't sleep and then he starts work again. And I think he's, he, the potential for him going really mad at the Freddie Mercury auction is huge. And we have this now for you. Uh, the five things you can do, the five big things that have a measurable impact on health and longevity and well-being that you can do today. All right, this is Rich Roll with his latest guest. We know from years and years and years of data that really only five big things have a measurable impact on health and longevity in what we'll call well-being. And those things are really simple. The first and most important is not to use tobacco products, or if you do, get help quitting. The second is to move your body often, to exercise. The third is to avoid ultra-processed foods. It used to be to maintain a healthy body weight. The thinking on that has changed. Now, again, I'm putting on my public health hat. What researchers look at is levels of body fatness. So you want to have good, lean body mass. Next, you want to have lots of community. And then the last thing is that if you are going to drink at all, you want to drink in extreme moderation. I think that sobriety is a great choice, and there is zero downside to sobriety. I think that if you are somebody that does not experience any substance use issues and you enjoy drinking, there is nothing wrong with having under five drinks a week, so long as they're not all at once. But that presupposes that one drink doesn't lead to two, doesn't lead to three, or you're drinking to run away from something. The research right now shows that at three to five drinks, you start to see the littlest dip in mortality rates and morbidity, so like health. In under three drinks, it's basically a wash. I think the people that like hold up, you know, I'm cutting alcohol, I'm cutting caffeine, I'm doing cold plunges is like a moral system, almost like a Protestant religion of like purification. That kind of annoys me and I think can be somewhat dangerous. But the flip side is, if you are someone that has at all struggled with substance use, you look around at the world and you're like, why the f are we just selling poison and is poison such a part of the culture? And I'm equally empathetic to that argument. In me myself, I have like two drinks a month. I'm very fortunate that I, I don't have any sort of dependency, but I also don't drink because I feel like when I do. Pass us over to you. Our next guest has woken us up, helped us home, kick-started our weekends, been a bit too good for our liking standing in on this show. His debut book, Soft Lad, is out now in paperback with a brand new chapter. So let's begin the latest chapter in our obsession with Nick Grimshaw. Oh, my God. Hurrah! Wow. Huzzah! So, Nick, wow, that listen sauce, to this. I know they're good, but that was exceptional. Uh, do you want to well, take your headphones off? That was really getting me going. Because we're on t TV. 
Uh, uh, should I? Yeah, why not? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Because okay. you're beautiful. Okay. The more, the more we can see of you, the more beautiful yeah, you get. get, get this it's like the opposite of the rest of us. Come on. Uh, apart from Rachel. Um, so listen to this. He mm. was at Selfridges last night for a book signing oh. with his friend Annie Mack, mediating in conversation, <laughs> telling all the stories, sold out. Felix was there, standing room only, and Selfridges is not a small building. That's a good venue. Well done, Grimmie. Thank you. It was great last night. It's pretty cool. It was really good. Yeah, so me and Annie sat down, had a chat about the book, and then we did a Q&A, but they were, they were pre-picked, because I quite like the live jeopardy of anyone could ask you yes. anything, but I yes. think the nice people at Selfridges or my book publisher had field the safe ones. Well, well done. And yeah. this is your second, your reading visitation of talking about a book yeah. you had enough trouble writing it but it's one thing to write a book congratulations for doing that in the first place but then it's an entirely different thing to talk about the book that you've written and some people are so relieved if they've written their first book and it may be their only book they're so relieved they don't realize oh no no that's the easy bit then you go on the pr <laughs> trail and then you've got to bring it to life yes um you remember it remember because yeah. you wrote it ages ago you know? also, also <laughs> did you write it i not actually you. did no, thank not, you not christopher you, not you not you thank you oh but not we, me not we me. have had people in here we oh, don't, you can t- yeah yeah and you go not only no. have they not written it they've not read it <laughs> right like who oh, loads of people we, actually we don't have them on anymore okay what we, kind of person from what field like mostly stars, sports, sports people yeah. sports mostly right. sports people yeah um now okay. we just won't have them on yeah. because it's too embarrassing the thing is because we read all the books i read your book yesterday cover to cover i loved it i ate it up i devoured it, it was awesome but because we read their books they're in trouble because like we said we'd say something in conversation <laughs> which isn't a question if we asked it as a question they'd be able to answer it because about their career but it's we ask it in a conversational um way thinking they're going to join in the conversation <laughs> they go uh, sorry, what are you talking about? about? <laughs> well, oh, it's, well, it's chapter three of your book. You know. What's a book? Anyway, <laughs> your book is awesome, Nick. Thank you, Chris. I love that you read it. It's really it was a beautiful funny. setting. I read it under a tree yesterday. Yeah. People say wonderful things about it. My favourite review, I think, is from the Times, Emily Dean. One of those fearlessly honest books that manages to be moving, thought-provoking, and funny at the same time. There's all my dog, my dog. Oh yeah, dog ears there all the way through you the actually, book. He actually did read it. No, I love it. I loved. Oh, I love little gay me. I love big mm-hmm. gay me. Uh, I was talking on the radio today. I don't know if you heard it. Eli's 11. You talk about being 11. Eli gets all the girls and none of the rest of the boys understand why. You do, don't you? Because <laughs> there's no agenda. No agenda. But apart from fun, obviously. Apart from, yeah, like, yeah, let's have, have a laugh. Yeah. Just tell us about that. Tell us about that first experience of being surrounded by girls, not, be, not wanting to be a girl, just hanging out with the girls. Hanging out with the girls, yeah. Because when I was growing up in sort of, you know, late 80s, early 90s, all the women on telly I sort of was really attracted to and I, I sort of aspired to be. So I loved, you know, me and my mum would have time watching Ab Fab together. We loved like Dawn French. I loved all these like great, warm, funny women on the telly. And then the men on the telly, the only telly that was on in our house was like the football. So I'd like never really relate to footballers because they were like I heard you talking about Roy Keane this morning they were like Roy Keane characters and I was yeah. really like oh if that's a man I was like maybe I maybe I'm not a man because I'm not in Roy Keane's league I'm more Dawn French and my mum had a great <laughs> um uh, gang of friends which she still has called the girls and they used to do a girls night and I write all about um girls night in the book and they take it in turns they were friends since they were like 11 take it in turns to have a dinner party every month so there'd be a rotation of like 10 or 11 girls and they'd do it and then when it was my mum's turn to have the girls round that was like the highlight of my 
year. Yeah. I loved it when it was like girls' night because they'd all come round and like, you know, have their hair done and like sort of clip on jangly sort of 90s earrings and like denier tights and like a shoe in the house. And it used to really get me going, just like hanging around sort of middle-aged women <laughs> <laughs> when I was like 11. And rather than be like, I'm going to my room, I'd be like, please, can I sit at girls' night? So I'd like sit at the table with like, you know, my Auntie Carm, uh, my Auntie Sheila and my Auntie Angela and then all my fake aunties. So like Auntie Reads her and yeah, like yeah. other Auntie Eileen and like we'd all sit at the table and have dinner. And then I'd do like an after show performance yeah. on my trumpet. And this speaks to your success, whatever <laughs> that means, you know, whatever flavour success is for anybody in particular, you know, going forward because it's continued. Mm-hmm. You know, you are one of the girls, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, so, so you have different gangs now. You uh-huh. have your Kate Moss and you do a Leapers. You Amy Winehouse. Uh, you're very good friends with Amy, which is also in the book. Um, and it has been massively advantageous to your career. Not that it was a strategy. It was just a thing. No, I just love gossiping and like chatting. Like that is my favourite. I always thought like I don't really have any hobbies. And I remember like actively trying to think like, what is my hobby? Yeah. And it genuinely is like mooching around town with my friend Amy, with like just gossiping yeah. about the world with nothing to do. And I think that, I think I'm really good at that. Hobby. But also it's anthropology. I mean, a scientist would be an anthropologist. <laughs> yeah, we're an an, we're, I'm an anthropologist. You're an anthropologist. I'm an anti <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, they do, there is there is a name for that. That's the science of it. And you just go out in the real world and do the same kind of thing. And you don't, you know, measure and provide um, stats and uh, formula and theories for mm. things. But yet. you just, you Not do yet. that... You know, you gather and you wrangle, yeah. you know, and you harvest and you bring all that onto the radio and you did that on Radio 1 for a, for a long time. But, you know, you love being one of the girls. And it is different because, you know, when there is a gay man with a, a bunch of girls, you know, the gay man is still has a man's perspective, but in the girls' gang, and that spices it all up. Mm-hmm. And that's why they love having you around. <laughs> one of the reasons they love having you around. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, like I've always been really comfortable around around girls. And when I was a teenager yeah. and when in my early 20s, I was quite scared of being in a manly environment. Right. But I think when you're a teenager, you don't really know what to, how to stand or what to do with your arms. Uh-huh. So I was really conscious when I was going out, when I started going out of like, oh God, I don't want to like dance to gay or whatever like I don't know do you know what I mean I was really conscious how of gay that. should I be you're like how what's my gay level so I talk about like working through all that yeah. when um, I was sort of coming of age yeah the book. this is why the book's so important it's an important book you know oh, and I know you, you talk about that in the end because you didn't really know why you were writing it and then a friend said you have to write it mm-hmm. it's really important it helped loads of people and it's helped loads of people probably saved lives this book Nick Nick Grimshaw hilarious and quintessentially Nick says do a leap but soft lad coming of age stories so important so funny that aspect particularly uh, that we'll continue to talk about you know being a little gay not knowing that you're a little gay Mm -hmm. boy and the fact that Eli goes to big school yesterday he's 11 like I say you know he's going to play rugby because he's got to play rugby his reaction to that was he just fell about laughing. He thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. They expect, Me? They expect, literally, like you just did, like, open hand, why? palm down on the chest, right? They want me to play rugby? Not like, not like oh no, they want me to play rugby. There was no fear. He just thought it was hilarious. He went, well, that's not going to last very long. Well, I'd you, well, be like, why are we, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Yeah. And they'd be like, it's... 
PE. I'd be like, I just don't. Do you know what the first thing he said was? He this. said the kit. He said that needs a redesign. I quite like the rugby kit. <laughs> yeah, that well, was this my is the quite thing. Good one because it was like the long sleeve with the button yeah. neck. But with straight away, it's about the kit. He doesn't mind the kit. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't mind the socks. <laughs> Are they going to go below? The knee? Can Can he pull them all the way up to just mid thigh? <laughs> You know, go thigh high. Yeah, this is. I mean, if they want, you know, if they should put him in the team because he'd disrupt the opposition. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the secret weapon. But it's so cool. Your book is so cool for so many reasons. Oh, oh thank you, Chris. Tell thank us about you. your Amy Winehouse. Thank you so How much. How did you meet Amy for the first time? I met Amy on um, really randomly when I when I came to London and I moved to London. I didn't really know. What, what I was doing when I moved to London, I just really wanted to do Radio One, and I was uh, I was very specific about doing the Breakfast Show. Yeah, and I didn't really know how to get there, and I tried doing a few different radio bits up north, and I'd done work experience, and I thought I just need to get to London, just need to get there because there was a finite number of radio stations. Well, so that's it, where it in is in the Oldham area, yeah. and that's where it is. So I applied for like every job. You want to see the pyramids? <clears throat> Go to Egypt. Exactly. Egypt gets a lot of mentions in the book. I love a bit of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> we haven't so, got time for that, but it's. <laughs> All in there. <laughs> we will talk about ancient Egypt after the news. And I, uh, yeah, so I was like, let me just get to London. So I applied for like every job at MTV. They had like really good internships. Yeah. And they'd pay you like five pounds a year or something. But I was like, I'll do it. And my mum and dad were very anti it. They were like, what, what, what's MTV? Like, what is that? My dad thought it was the United Channel, MUTV. Yeah. So he did get quite excited for a while. Was. He was like, he likes football. Um, but no. Uh, so I went to MTV and I started working there and I didn't really know what my what my job was because mm. I'd applied for so many and I stayed at my friend's flat in Camden and crashed there and um, the deal was I could work at her club night on a Friday doing the door, flyering for free rent. So that's what I did. So I'd do MTV in the week and then Fridays and sometimes Saturdays work at the club doing the door. And um, I just used to see Amy all the time in Camden and it was before rehab so it was it was after Frank yeah. and I loved Frank that album and um, so I like knew her but she'd had the image overhaul uh -huh. so I like knew what she looked like but she now had like a beehive and tattoos and genuinely did look like that like before rehab so I'd like to see her in Pret which is quite the sight, like that look yeah. in Pratt. You don't, but you also see the Gallagher's in Pratt. I mean, yeah. everybody was around at the time. <laughs> it was a bit, it would be looked back upon like the 60s because we were all around. We were all doing our stuff uh -huh. and it was the norm. Yeah. Sorry, Karen. Yeah, so I, I used to just see her all the time and like bump into her. And I think she used to quite like a walk. So whenever I was walking to work, I'd bump into her and you'd do, you know, do that nod of like, I don't know you, but I've seen you three times yeah, now. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you go to Pret the same time as me or whatever. And then one day I was walking to work and she just shouted me and she was like, Oi! And I turned and it was, it was her, it was Amy. And she just ran over and was like, where are you going? Where are you walking? And I said, oh, I'm going to walk to work and she's just walked me to work and she morning. didn't know who you were or what no, you were no, doing no no I, I was like just starting my internship she, so MTV. she was already dead famous she were she won in the papers and stuff because right. it was before she'd released um like rehab or right. back to black or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah. um but i knew her because i knew i i loved the album like right. i remember joe wiley loving frank yeah and so and you also you talk about it so fondly in the book and why wouldn't you i met her a few times and i only have fond memories of amy winehouse um unbelievably ta talented pro probably too talented mm -hmm. maybe i don't know if that's possible 
for her own good, not for the benefit of the rest of us, for sure. Um, but you talk, you talk about her. You talk about the fact that she was always so caring and kind, and then she would, she would, she, you know, she would give you the benefit, the wonder of her gaze, and then just as you were beginning to get used to it, she would move on. And, yeah, and not <laughs> to leave the next you, person. But just move no, on. She was just she's like, so busy. I just remember as well, like being quite nervous as a northerner coming to London uh-huh. and thinking London was posh people yeah like that's what i thought was like everyone it's inverted snobbery in way. was really so. posh yeah and really like I, I thought like no one talks to each other no one says hello to each other so i was a bit w- scared about that and i remember being on the tube and like realizing i could moved here and had committed to living here but like no one gave you eye contact or like no one chatted do you remember and it amy being... was like the opposite like yeah. do you know what i mean and i was like oh well camden was different yeah Once she's you, a Cam- Londoner. camden was all right camden yeah. was f- full of people like that um and it, you know all but everybody i always thought everybody in camden and belsize park where we were with reese sivens and the gallagher's and amy and lots of other people at the time i always thought that the people that there, everybody was a superstar. It's just that some had been discovered and some hadn't. But mm. everybody walked around like a superstar. Yeah, I, I wrote that like in in a bit in the book, saying that everyone in the pub, like I think there was an idea that it was like a few people hanging out because yeah. they're like, let's hang out because we're like, I'm on the telly and you're a singer, like yeah. let's be friends. But like the pub we used to hang out in in Camden, like everyone the was Holy. like that. Yeah, the Holy Arms, yeah, yeah. and I, I love the mixture that anyone could talk to anyone. Yeah. And people could be really famous or work in the pub or work at a charity or be Amy Winehouse and everyone was in just band, in this pub. Band, yeah, and behind the bar, in front of the bar. Yeah, and I love that Didn't everyone, matter. like I feel like the, the famous people in that pub was kind of just like the, the mascots yeah. of the pub, but everyone was like on the same vibe. And I think it was like before, well, it was definitely before like social media. So I don't know if that made a you know, a change in making us feel like, Without oh, I'm question. separate to you because Without you've got question. the the followers and like the stats. So that's why this, another reason this book is so interesting because it is in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when there was that amazing documentary last year about um, Oasis playing at Nebworth uh-huh. and it was that brilliant film that they made and it opened with everybody trying to get tickets for the gig. Now that's not that long. I mean, it is quite long, mm-hmm. quite long ago, but it was before mobile phones even really because you had to phone up on a landline now your book is in the middle of all this you know um when you get the radio on breakfast show and then when you leave the radio on breakfast show it's all about social media but before that during your sort of rise to fame same for me but i'm older than you so i'm sort of bottom weighted into the before social but you're right in the middle of it aren't you yeah it was a total change and like i i write about how we'd you know happily be like free to just look like a mess and like the pat pictures of that time were people like looking messy and people like falling out of clubs yeah. or like people like you know like that in the back of a cab with like the skirt up like yeah, yeah. and you just like don't see pictures like that anymore well also because the video is involved and if you see that snapshot you know it's sort of rock and roll and rebellious it's, it's i'm not saying it's advisable <laughs> no we're kids. not advising it uh, we're just saying it happened but there's a snapshot of it as there were in the 60s and the 70s even back you know to dolce vita times and the birth of paparazzi in italy in the late 40s and early 50s but you add video to that and it loses whatever magic in magic and inverted commas it had it loses it mm-hmm. because it becomes longer and laborious and it is quite it's like oh dear oh, that doesn't God. actually look it like it's a mess yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not good oh. and then you can hear the sounds and the da 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 and all this other kind of stuff um 
you talk about again when you were younger about you know if there were uh, gays in the village as it were mm. then you'd have to give them a name your families would give them names our families would give them names like gay bob and gay freddy yeah and uh, they're all right they're doing no harm yeah but of course this was homophobia yeah and it, it was and i talk about that and i, I did it myself yeah you know like we'd be like i remember there was like a, a, a gay couple that lived kind of near us and yeah i'd say and i'd like cycle past when i had friends from school or like you know uh, a relative visiting and I'd point it out as if it was like uh, oh yeah so that's the park and then over there's like the bakery and like gays live in that house and yeah. I'd like point it out as if like that was like some sort of like exotic you know yeah. thing to see and, when in and Oldham. the phrase was and you write it in the book they're doing no harm they're doing no harm yeah. and it was like yeah I did, I, and I never really thought about that as a kid and, and, and then you saw the poster of David Beckham and it all changed and then I was like <laughs> I'm moving in with them <laughs> alright we're with Nick Grimshaw more from Nick when we come back love music love interviews with lovely musicians search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist including George Ezra it won't be like this forever so just mm. enjoy it while it's here it's a really wonderful thing and James Bay it's about me it's about my relationship with Lucy it sums up so much of what went into writing this whole album we're all works in progress I still don't necessarily know who I am and Depeche Mode's Dave Gahan remembering the late great Andy Fletcher I'll be honest with you, the first thought that came in my head was, I wish I'd been a bit kinder. Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash virginradiouk. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Nick Grimshaw, hilarious and quintessentially Nick says Dua Lipa of this book, Soft Lad. This is the paperback version, the soft version of the uh, best-selling hardback. I read it under a tree yesterday. It was a shady read, but only mm. from a sunshine point of view, not from a story mm. point of view. Um, I love the weed stories. You going to oh Los Angeles and trying to be cool on weed. Yeah. It didn't work out for you. Uh, there's a lesson in that, um, you know, nothing to preach about, uh, but it's not for some people. It's definitely, not for me. It's definitely not for you. It's not for me. But I was, you gave it a go. <laughs> I gave it a go because I was never a weed smoker. Right. And when I went to um, LA and I had to write the book, I went there for a month. Yes. And when I left Radio 1, I was like, I want to go somewhere different. And just, I'd never done that. I'd yeah. just like, you know, gone to work. So I was like, let me just like not go to work for a month, write a book, but it's not work work is it and then i was like i'll go to la and when i was there because you know weed's legal there and everyone's smoking it everywhere you know there's all these shops up and down the streets and they're like so like it's like going to like the apple store it's like a like luxury experience so i had like this vision in my head that i was like i'm quite an anxious person so i was like maybe i should be like a very relaxed LA writer and I'll stay here and you know I'll write so I went to one of the shops and said and you meet a guy has like an iPad and they like talk you through the menu I was like I need you to relaxing calm said I'm writing a book said I'm quite a stressy person I overthink so I need something just to really zen me out and he was like oh yeah we got you we got you so I 
got it and it comes in like a little package that's like a beautiful little box with flowers on and like they're all pre-rolled for you because I couldn't roll one. All done all nice. So I was like, great. So I went back to where I was staying, went on the roof, got my laptop out, started writing. I was like, oh, I should... I could smoke the weed. Worst experience of my life. Worst experience of my life. Had to go to the hospital. No, culminated. <laughs> it was so bad. Culminated. It was so bad. It was so bad. It was the whole thing. Because I did a bit of it and then nothing happened. And I was like, oh, I still feel like up here and I, I wanted to be like Seth Rogen you know like that sort of like cool Californian I thought I'd be like Willie Nelson or something <laughs> and it was not well you were for a <laughs> couple of minutes because you saw the the shoe of the sky and you saw the the, the the moon beams and you thought this is nice I'll have a bit more of that yeah Were you on and your then... own yeah I was at the time and then I had to go and get Mish my boyfriend and I was like Mish something bad's happened and you need to phone an ambulance you and said you were like, going to die I was like I, I think I'm going to die I was going to die I'm dying uh, Mish call an ambulance so I'm dying it's too late I'm going to die I'm it's too late die. but call one anyway yeah call one anyway and I don't know what I thought they were going to say but like I'd had a, a, years ago I had a panic attack and it was bad and I was like because it was just like out of control I was like I'm gonna have a pa- I'm going to have a panic attack so I need to get to the American hospital yeah. so I ended up going our friend Ed lovely Ed who's so sweet um, he lives in LA he was like I'll drive you and I was getting so prang in this car and I was like you are going the wrong way you are trying to trick me and they were like at the hospital they were like what drugs does he take and I was like weed and they're like Oh. oh, oh! They were like, it's, yeah. uh, he's yeah, a rubbish weed in, smoker. Yeah, like oh, but have is, a glass of water. You'll this be all is right. after <laughs> Mish called for an ambulance, and then a fire engine arrived because that's what you get in LA. Sometimes if the ambulance aren't available, you get a fire. <laughs> they just engine. send the nearest emergency vehicle. So you're thinking that looks like a fire engine to me. <laughs> I'm really off I my I thought I was off my here. head because I was like, why are the firemen here? Yeah, I yeah. also I mean, quite like the... nothing against firemen, I'm sure, <laughs> no. you know. You wanted to go to the American hospital, oh. like the sequel to the American office. Yeah, I was like, I need to go <laughs> to the American hospital the, immediately. This book is full of stories like this. It's really funny and it's really candid. and <laughs> it's funny really at the helpful. time, funny now. It's No, exactly, but that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, it's about perspective. It's about uh, reflection. It's not about reaction. It's about response and response can take forever. You can respond for the rest of your life to a certain situation and the word response comes from responsibility the ability to respond as opposed to the involuntary action of reacting you know and it's all in this blooming book and I'm like under the tree yesterday afternoon on this most relaxing of Monday afternoons <laughs> feeling his anxiety I had to walk I had to go for a walk at one point around my own tree you know <laughs> I had to risk yet more sun damage. It's like, no, no, get back under the tree. I can't read any more of this book. I'm t- the, th- the thing, your book speaks to me in so many ways. I love your book. And one of the things is this anxiety. Thing. I had no idea you were so anxious. I thought that one of your superpowers was that, and one of the reasons you've been success so successful, you know, and this is, you know, I should know better than this because every day is a school day now. Of course it is. That looking at you, I thought, he's so easy with life. That's why he breezes through his radio shows. He goes out all night. People welcome him into their inner circles because he's a cool dude. 
And what's really interesting about the LA story is that you you want to be cool, um, but you you are we are cool. We're all we all have our cool zones, don't we? <laughs> but then you cool go zone. somewhere else. You go. I want to be cool like them, you know. And that's where it all begins well, I was like, to go I just wrong. Want to feel like zenned out. And then when I had that experience, I was like, maybe I'm not meant to be Seth Rogen. Maybe I'm just not relaxed. Exactly. Maybe I work good on being really highly strong yeah, and, and anxious. <laughs> do you know what i mean like maybe that's not me like lolling around stoned your anxiety you talk about the three guilts in the book as well don't you oh yeah can you remember the three guilts? No, i can't did My you write your guilts. own book did you write i did book? write my own book <laughs> no, i'm just saying oh i do yeah. gay guilt yeah um catholic guilt catholic guilt irish guilt irish. No? no there's catholic guilt gay <gasps> guilt and there's another one i i tried to, i marked yeah. it i can't find it but you do the three guilts um you know and that was quite at a young age wasn't it uh-huh. Um, yeah, like, well, I think, like, I, I'd i never thought why do I have anxiety or, or what even is anxiety? Yeah. And I talk about, like, the first moment that I remember experiencing it. And it was at a time I don't think people said anxiety or knew what it was. Yeah. You were just like, I feel unwell. <laughs> and um, I rang my mum and I was like, I can't really describe the feeling of how I feel. Like, I feel like someone could, like, is about to push me off a cliff. Like, I feel like that. And my mum was like, oh, you've got anxiety. Gay guilt, regular guilt, Catholic guilt. Oh, yeah, them are regular. Yeah, regular guilt, gay guilt, Catholic guilt. You were completely guilty, weren't you? I'm so guilty. So guilty. So you didn't like football, but my God, did you like one particular footballer who... I mean, he got you across the line, didn't he? He really did. He really did. Because I always wanted to like football and I'd try every season. And I do like it more now because, you know, what I like about it. that It's like the communal thing. Right. So when you go to the pub and it's on the telly or like everyone's going to watch something together at half and four. football's different now. Yeah. And also right. like there's not really many of them moments on the telly where like you've got to watch it live or there's no point. So that's why I... I'm into football-ish now. But when I was a kid, I was never into it. My dad loved it. My sister loved it. My brother loved it. My mum was like, whatever. But it really ruled our house. Like, the time we'd eat, what we were doing on the weekend, what mood the house was in, if City were playing, if United were playing. And I never really got into it. And then at school, everyone wanted to be a footballer. Everyone played football. And I just couldn't relate to, like, a lot of my family and a lot of my friends because I was like, why do, are they really into this? So I used to get, like, football magazines and try and like it. Good for you. Because I was like, let me do this breakthrough. Yeah. I also did that with olives. I was like, surely, yeah. if I keep trying them, I'll like them. So I tried with football and then um, I got, like, a, a football magazine, like, Shoot. Yeah, it was maybe. Shoot magazine, shoot. Yeah. And I got it and I was like, oh, God. And it felt, it did feel sort of like homework flicking through it because it was, like, you know, not a natural She was quite nerdy, feeling. actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. And then there was a picture which like stopped me in my tracks <gasps> and I can remember it being in the car with my mum and being like, what is that? And like being like mystified by it. And and I, I was young that I wasn't like, oh, it's just someone I fancy. I, like, I didn't understand the feeling yeah. that I was processing. You were feeling something you hadn't felt before. Yeah. And it was, it was David Beckham. <laughs> and it was like him, like like a quite a good close up. It was quite, a, it was quite like a bit of a broody shoot yeah, for a football course. magazine. Yeah. It was a bit like Stephen Kleine, like a bit like you know, like giving it David Beckham. And um, I just couldn't stop looking at it, and I got really, really fixated on it, and sort of z- like you know, it was David Beckham. Well, David prime. Beckham does it for most people. You, Do know, you know what I mean? Yeah, straight guys as well. My but dad dared and look at it. Had you <laughs> exactly? Uh, but not knowing that you were gay at the time. No, I didn't. You had no idea. No, and you still didn't know when you saw that, but you couldn't take your eyes off it uh-huh. for weeks. 
weeks. So, uh, so long. And, and I had it out and I had to go and ask my mum and dad if I could like put it on the wall. So your mum was your mum said go and ask your dad. Yeah. And then your dad you had a conversation with your dad about uh-huh. it. And my dad was like, What what is it? And I was like, I want to put this up. And he was like, right. He's like, and then he shouted me back and I was like, oh, like, because I felt like not guilty, but I was like, should I be into this picture? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't really understand the feelings. It was something, it was a, it was a new confusing feeling. What's interesting about that is you had a perspective on it, which yeah. most people at that age wouldn't, they just do it anyway. Yeah. But that's been your whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's why you do what you do for a living. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know, like, should I put this up? And my dad called me back and he was like, just don't use blue tack. Because he was like, <laughs> you know, very obsessed with. What did you yeah. use? Or maybe do use blue yeah, tack and don't blue use sellotape. Yeah. Or pins. Yeah, don't Join use pins. pins. No pins on the wallpaper. Yeah. So I put it up and I had it up on my bed. Uh, and then I actually I had it above my bed and then I moved it. So it was like next to my bed. But I remember having like a weird feeling as like the year went on yeah. of being sort of happy that I had fallen in love with David Beckham from like the safety of my own bedroom mm. but then also like an anxiety that I'd fallen in love with a man mm. and I was like what does that mean what does that mean yeah and it was you recognised that it was it wasn't like I, I love him it's like oh I love him I fancy him I could I can imagine myself being with him yeah so how long did that process and then take? this woman called Victoria came along <laughs> and broke my how, heart how very dare she <laughs> And, and what what was the process like? How long did that take? It took a while. It did take a while. And it was something that, you know, I'd, at first I'd be like, oh, maybe it's like a a phase or mm. like maybe everyone fancies David Beckham. Which um, is sort of which true. Which is sort of true. He's Come ridiculously on. handsome. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a it was a process of coming to terms with it. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Um, we could talk about radio. We could talk about telly. Uh, let's just talk about parties. Um, <laughs> because you were a professional party goer. Loved As party. were we in the 90s. Yes. You used to watch TFI Friday. I know yes. you talk about it in the book. You talk about uh, Radio 1 in the book. Uh, you talk about Sarah Cox in the book. You talk about me in the book. It's all good. Thank you very much. And it's all true, by the way. Everything you were thinking. <laughs> is that as much of a laugh as it seems? Yes. You know, plus, plus. Um, all survivable, thank God, for some of us, not all of us, sadly. But... Um, it was great. You know, it's funny because people talk about TFI Friday and they say, somebody talked about it at the weekend. A uh, friend of mine, we all know him, he's a very well-known chap, came over and was talking about TFI Friday. Because people do in the end, they know you for a bit and then they, they think it's all right to talk about TFI Friday. For anybody who might become a friend, you talk about it straight away, it's fine. I don't mind. <laughs> Quite I like it, actually. Straight up, yeah. And sometimes I stop people in the street and say, would you like to talk about TFI <laughs> yeah, Friday? Excuse me. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a couple of days. And... Um, <laughs> But it know, was a really important show for me that I loved it because it was. I describe it as first of all, I describe it as like people say, "Oh, it's great," but it was like a football match because what happened was speaking to our party sort of similarities, partying similarities. It was a it was caught on camera, and that's and we shoot it. We we actually said when we were planning the show, it should be shot like a football match, mm-hmm. and people who didn't understand what we we're talking about said, "What do you mean?" So well, a football match doesn't have a script; you just have to cover it. And if anything interesting happens, you try and catch it. And we actually went to the extent of replaying things in slow motion on TFI Friday in case people <laughs> missed them. And it was really good. We did it live. So now let's see that again. You know, like a goal or something. And um, and so we covered it. We caught it like a football match because it was a party and sometimes it, it, it went off and sometimes it didn't go off. But that's what it was like. And that's what you fell in love with. And then you literally, if I had a baton of fun, I would have passed it to you. And you cracked right on, didn't you, in your own way? Yeah, I mean, I loved that show. Like, that was the highlight of my week like it was really important for me to 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 have that show and watch that show because it just looked so fun yeah and i thought like what am i gonna do like i can't 
play football. I'm not very good at school. Like, what can I do? Yep. And I was like, what am I good at? And I was like, chatting to like my mum's mates. Like, come on, what's that job? And then I'd see TFI or I'd hear you on breakfast or Sarah Cox on breakfast. And I was like, I want to, I want to do that. I want to do that job. But um, I, I, I loved that show. And, then and that was you... the only show that I was allowed to have my tea in front of. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then, because um, that's why we shared it twice. We shared it at six o'clock for the kids. Uh-huh. And then we shared it at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock for, for the grown-ups. Either going out or coming back home. But you finished MTV and you went straight off mm-hmm. to the Holy Arms and around Camden and you went straight to, par- to partying and then you pitched up. You And you, as the book goes on, you start to look back on and reflect on those times when you were just out and on it and then you fell back on the radio in the morning and you just reported on what you'd done. And that sort of was your job. And it sounds like you, you, you begin to sort of chastise yourself for it and I'm glad you didn't go any further with that you say I can't believe I did that I would never do that now you know and then you talk about being sober for you know longer periods of time and you know if you had a tv show on the way you wouldn't drink for six weeks before let alone six hours before Mm. Uh, just tell me about your observation of that and why you started to comment on that and how you feel about that now I well I think it's like a natural growing up thing like when I was growing up and watching TFI and reading like The Face or getting Vice magazine like I thought and in Manchester it's quite a thirsty city Manchester like there's a lot of going out chat so I saw it as a sort of rite of passage to be drunk and go clubbing and be out all the time so I think naturally you kind of do do that or a lot of teenagers do do that and when you're at like that early 20s age like your life is just going out with your friends and having fun and I just remember thinking like I'd never want to stop going out and I thought like that was me I was like I used to think that there was something wrong with my mum and dad when they'd go mad about me coming home you know four o'clock in the afternoon I'd be like you're the problem not me so when I lived in Belsize Park in Camden and it was that time. Uh-huh. I, we used to go to the pub all day and then we used to go home, to, I don't know why, just to check it was still there. <laughs> <laughs> Literally about six o'clock, we used to go home and we'd go, why have we come home? Right. Let's go out again. Yeah. And, we used to, and as we walked down the street, like Steeles Road or wherever it was, we couldn't believe that people were in their houses on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, why is well, why, why, staying in? Why are you all coming out with yeah, us? Yeah, why are we not going why out? Why are you watching TV? What yeah. is that? And I just didn't understand it. Similarly, yeah. When we're in the pub on Sunday lunchtime, people just come in for food. It was like, why would <laughs> you do that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't get it for years and years and years. Sorry, Karen. And then you grow out of it and you're like, oh, actually, this is exhausting. But it hurts. And it makes me feel terrible. It hurts because you don't want to grow out of it. And yeah. it's like re- re-born, being reborn again, but your mum's not pushing. You've got to fight your way out <laughs> of your own membrane. you own way it's out like, of it's like, it this oh, time. I don't want to leave. Please, no, I've got to no! Stay away from the light, but it's so beautiful. You have to. Uh, But yeah, you sort of just like grow out of it. And it's all about, you know, growing up. But I think that that was my personality. Like that was my whole vision focus. Like me and, you know, me and Makita, when we were doing T4, when we were like 23, like we'd be like gutted and sick with jealousy if we had to go and interview someone in LA because we'd miss the pub on Hackney on a Saturday afternoon. I'd be like, oh, you're joking, Jackie Chan. But we were going to the pub on Saturday. I was like, I can't believe this. So we prioritise going out with our friends more than these amazing work opportunities. Yeah. And by the way, you can interview people today. You can't do that again. And you actually can't. That um, panic gone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, it's, it's like we sort of knew, isn't it? Yeah. And I just remember, like, we used to be, and we joke about it now, being like, "How did we go to work? Like, do you even have a shower? Just be like, yep, hi. 
I'm here for work. <laughs> so terrible. So when you when you begin, I think you can get away with it at 23. Maybe it's kind in of charming. In that reflection maybe. now, you you do say actually in the book you say, say you know I you don't say we use the word regret and I don't want to force that on you because I'm not a fan of that word at all. It's about experiences and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you do say, oh, you know, there were some shows I can't remember doing this and the other, you know, and there are pangs of the word that I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. I hope that isn't the case. No, it's not. I think it's it. it you know, I in my thirties was like, wait, am I just, am I boring now? Cause that's not who I was. Yeah, yeah. But I realized in writing the book, like, no, it's that you can be different people. Like yeah. you can grow and evolve and change. And like that Nick was all right. And like this one's all right. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like a process you go through and you, like you say, like you live and you learn from all these things. Yeah. So you don't want to be like, Oh, I wish I wasn't like smelly on T4. It's like, it's fine. We've learned yeah. to shower. Yeah, We've grown also, up. You know, it's not smell-o-vision, it's television. Exactly. Michaela at East London, wow, such a brilliant interview with Grimmy this morning. Loved his book and love hearing him cover your show in case you can't tell I love him I love him too oh thank you guys. in many ways he's my David Beckham Edward morning <laughs> Chris and Grimmy such a good interview thank you both so much my David Beckham moment was Yannick Noah on the cover of the magazine Egoista oh don't know that Patrick says what a great great interview I did the thing with the olives try try and try again I love them now you have a theory about nine olives oh yeah go on yeah so it's meant to be if you eat Seven, oh, seven, seven olives in a row if you don't like olives. And I don't like olives and that's a problem because I'm Greek. Uh-huh. So if you eat seven, <laughs> and I haven't tried this yet because I'm slightly scared that it uh-huh. won't work. And then what? Yes, exactly. So if you eat seven olives in a row, you can't then, for the rest of your life, dislike olives. Wow. Wow. I think you need to do this after nine on the show. No, you don't want a morning olive. I don't think you want a morning olive. Mind. No. Mark Wogan actually sent some really posh olives uh-huh. from Selfridges oh. to the show for me to try it, and we forgot. Oh, okay. And Mark Wogan's just texted the show. Yeah. Oh, has he? Yeah, he says, um, it's our beautiful mutual friends, Dame Angela Hartnett's birthday today, but I'm sure Nick hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten because he's just showed me the present he's bought her. That's right. I am going after this to go see Angela. We're doing three episodes of Dish today Dish. for Series 4. The best um, And today we've got Sarah Cox, we've got Gordon Ramsay, yes. and we have uh, Brian Corrigan and Valentine Warner joining us. And it's Angela's birthday, so I got her a good Prezi. Yeah. Do you know what it is? No, but I think you stole it from Selfridges. Yeah, I did get it from South Did you yeah. steal it? No, I didn't steal it. I bought it last night. <laughs> yeah, bought it. Well, bought there. it last night, yeah. I love it that you yeah. go to Selfridges for a book signing. And while you're there, you pick up a Prezi for your Pick Prezi. up a Prezi for Angela. And also what we thought was, because I got it, and then I was like, you don't have wrapping paper, do you? And they were like, oh, not in this bit. And then we, we basically decided, me and a lady behind the till at Selfridges who I'd never met, we both decided... Angela Hartnett doesn't care about rapping, does she? No. And this lady is like, no, I don't think she does. Oh, she's like, a real one, I don't one think she girl. does, yeah. She really is a real She one ain't girl. bothered about rapping paper, is she? Or um, Angela. Can I just say, thanks for my Dish experience. I had the most... Did you have fun? Oh, I had the most fun on Dish. I really liked it. I liked the way we looked. You know, I'm not very... Com- <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not very comfortable with that anymore. And I uh. lo- the way it was shot, the colorization of it all. It was a great atmosphere. Hannah Waddingham was on the show a couple of days later. Mm. She said that uh, she had a blast and uh, I had a blast and there was talk of us doing a Christmas show together. Yes. And she said, bring it on. I'm yeah, seriously, we want to do it in Angela's kitchen. I'm so up for that. Yeah. Okay, if, if Hannah and I, you want... Well, yeah. I know she's up for it. I'm definitely up for it. Let's she, do it. She DMs me. Oh, does she? About okay, it, which is absolutely it, yeah. awesome. Uh, Dish is Nick's podcast. This is Nick's book. He's on Virgin Radio now. You love covering for Graham Norton. I know it you love covering so for us, but you love covering for Graham Norton. I loved them both. They, I, had a, I had a blast. It was very, very fun. Are you part of the Virgin family now? I'm think? part of the Virgin family. So cool, yeah. man. Nick Grimshaw, hilarious. Quintessentially Nick, Dua Lipa, soft lad, coming of age stories. It's as good a memoir 
as you can get, I think. Christopher Honestly, Evans. Honestly, I really do wow. think that. Because it's, it's no, written differently. Wow. You know, it's of a time. You were still in that time, um, you know, and well done. Thank you so well much. Done. Thank it's you. It's really cool. And thank I'm so you. glad you're happy. You seem oh, very thank happy. You. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And it's funny because you say it's all the, the whole, you know, you're, you're partying um, time. That window was, you know, one side of you. I think we're quite similar in many ways in as much as who you are now is your true nature because you are now very similar to that little studious boy mm-hmm. who couldn't believe he got to party. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I'm never going to be a band. I'm never going to play for Man United. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to have the party. And, yeah, and what party happened after. was we out-partied all the people that deserved the party. <laughs> we didn't really deserve we the party, deserve but we party. gave it a good go, didn't we? <laughs> we did. And we now did. we're at the other side. And now we're at the other side. And it's all all right. It's all all right. We got away with it. We did it. Woohoo! The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and Adam, come on, things to do. Don't cheer, you'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them, no stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose, food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio.